Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game! Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped the keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. Well, we may not have emerged victorious from the battle on Tuesday night, but here in the Green Room, powered by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder, we're turning all our attention to winning the war and uh, getting things back underway and back on track in that second leg coming up against Melbourne Victory this Saturday. Uh, Josh Parrish. And Lockie Flanagan here with you tonight to um, talk with a, a real host of guests, Josh. Obviously, we've got one eye on that second leg, on turning things around for the boys in green and black, but we're not just not just staying on the pitch. We're, we're going off the pitch. We're going towards the training precinct as well. It's, it's an exciting night we've got in store. We're not just going off the pitch, Lockie. We're going to the, the top of the food chain. Right but- to the very top. As Harry Redknapp once said about, uh, about <laughs> Frank Lampard. Uh, well, well, let's go. Let's go straight to the top already. We'll, we'll talk more about all the guests who are coming on soon. But we've got one in the re- in the Zoom room, ready to go tonight. And I'm talking about none other than the chairman of Western United and the Western Melbourne Group, Jason Sarasas, who joins us now. Jason, uh, a very warm welcome to you. Great to have you on the green room. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Lucky, and uh, thanks for the lovely welcome. Very flattered. Uh, absolutely, our pleasure. Of course. You know, we could talk about about the uh, the most fi- the most recent result in the first leg of the semi final against Victory, but I think we might might leave the uh, the on field stuff to to Chris Pelavanis when he joins us later on in the program, because the the reason we've been hunting you down to to join us on the green room because you are the man with in in literal and figurative terms the master plan when it comes to Western United. Uh, we haven't had you on since, um, or haven't been able to get you on since the announcement of the uh, the training precinct going underway. You must be so, so wrapped to be to be part of this football club towards the pointy end when things are just, uh, from the seemings of things, going so well both on and off the pitch at the moment. Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been a journey, that's for sure. And um, your show just seems to always angle to Chris Palavanas. He doesn't share with me, so I have to fight to get onto your that's, show. That's not our, I just want to make it clear, that's not our directive. <laughs> You've got to take that up with CFA. I will. I definitely will. So, um, but anyway, it's good. We're about to be on the show, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a it's been a journey. Um, on, again, the, the football club, I suppose, is a forward-facing, first live sport asset that we've got. Um, but it's been such a, a power of work going behind the scenes uh, to get our precinct ready, and it's it's a, in effect the city centre of Wyndham. So there's a lot of planning, a lot of um, work with Wyndham, and and um, and ultimately there's a process before we could even speak about it publicly, like I have been, I suppose, over the last month. Um, and that process was, in effect, getting the state government to approve the master plan, which it's all happened relatively quickly. So that was Feb. Um, we found out about it. I was actually late January. We found out about it the first, second week of Feb. Then Wyndham, um, you know, did a, a really um, awesome, you know, press release uh, on site a few weeks ago. And then uh, from then, uh, we can actually tell the story and start uh, telling the world about the journey and, and what the plans are from here. And we're full steam ahead on um, on, on building, the, uh, you know, starting with the training field, but uh, the broader precinct as well in the main stadium um, is underway. Take us through some of that journey then, Jason. Uh, rewind for us. What's what's involved in, in achieving this? Because everybody can talk and say they've got big plans, but actually, actually executing something like this, there's a lot of organisational work that goes into it. There's a lot of red tape to get through. Uh, rewind and, and give us a bit of a sense of that journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, um, it's the first of its kind in the country. So it's the first public-private partnership in sport. Um, in the country, and they're actually quite common overseas. And uh, my wife's from Milwaukee, and it's a, it's, you know, I always refer to the Milwaukee Bucks precinct. Um, first of all, it's tribalism through geography, which is what we're about. Um, if you're born in Milwaukee, you don't have any uh, any choice. You have to follow for the Milwaukee, you know the Milwaukee Bucks, and the whole city. It's sort of um, just activated with sport. It's just, and when is it, when the Bucks are playing, you know, it's a three four hour lead up. Uh, it's the anticipation to the game. The game's on. Um, the whole city shuts to watch the game. And then, you know, there's a post-game, uh, you know, even after the event, the, the city's still buzzing from the game. So that that tribalism and, and geogra- geographic tribalism we're trying to create um, is part of the, the narrative. And then, um, you know, the, it's, you know, I, I just actually just moved into a house uh, two weeks ago and it was just one house, 500 square metres in a, in a 
suburban Melbourne that has all the electricity, water, gas, you know, all the um, utilities that we need. Uh, and it was still one and a half years over. So put that into um, our context. This is you know, 500 square metre home. Um, and put into context, we're, we're doing a 150-acre town centre with Wyndham. And the, the land had no gas, no water, no electricity. Um, it was zoned rural. Um, and we had a vision. But then you've got to go through getting a piece of land ready for development to, you know, in effect, be able to hold a stadium and, and commercial buildings and a training facility and a 1,000 residential lots. So that process, um, it's been about three and a half years, which sounds like a long process, but for the enormity of the project, it's actually really quick and it's, in effect, been fast-tracked by Wyndham. Uh, the state government um, you know, also you know, fast-tracked that planning process, even though it took a bit, bit longer than we, we'd hoped, um, you know, to get that approved by the state government in that seven, eight-month window we're wrapped with and, and ultimately, um, you know, we've got to put the roads and the services to the site, um, but, you know, we've got master plan approval for everything we want to do and um, now we're full steam ahead. I mean, I'm really interested to, to touch on the, the Milwaukee Bucks aspect of this because the, the, the people responsible, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, who were responsible for designing that stadium were also involved in the sort of conception of, of the, the Western United Stadium plans as well? Yeah, so that, that was designed by Populous, who was, you know, um, you know, probably the the um, at the at the lead of um, designs around the world for a lot of stadiums. So yeah, they did do the Milwaukee Bucks Stadium, and with with the precinct, it's built into the community. Mm-hmm. So you sort of, I still remember getting off. Um, we didn't catch a train, but people were getting off a train, going home. Some were going to work. We were just at a restaurant, um, you know, and you walk around a corner and you go, "Wow, the stadium's here!" You didn't realise it was that close to where the city was, and it was just built into the city. So there was mm-hmm. just um, you couldn't not get into it. You couldn't not watch it. You couldn't not know the event was on. And ultimately, um, you know, that's that sort of model around, you know, activating the community via sport, um, getting kids, you know, off the streets and, and giving them sport as their um, avenue to, um, I suppose, release energy and to um, focus on the good and um, that can come from playing sport. That's what it's going to be about. And Western United Football Club, I suppose, is the first uh, franchise, but we've got ambitions to go into other codes um, under the Western United banner, and in effect, make it the you know the northwest of Victoria as our um, our region and our tribalism that will come from that region. I mean, everything you're saying with respect to that, Jason, is really music to my ears as like an avid football enjoyer. Because I wouldn't necessarily use the example of Milwaukee Bucks, but like for me, I have family in Scotland and most specifically in Edinburgh, and you see, um, you know, Hibs Ground, for example, in Leith is. And I've literally had that experience you're referring to where you can be walking through the streets of Leith and you're thinking, oh, what's that jutting bit of green metal stretching out over the road? And it's 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 the stadium and, and you have no idea. So to be able to create something like that uh, in Victoria, especially when we've really got quite a distinct sporting precinct, like the MCJ, Amy Park, they're great stadiums, but they're in their own little zone. They're not kind of hidden away in this kind of integrated area. So it must be such an exciting prospect for you to be able to deliver something that really is quite unique to, to the sporting landscape here in the country. Yeah, it is. And like I said, it's the first of its kind in Australia, but quite common overseas. I think David Beckham's doing one in Miami as well. But even even going back to your example, like most people, and I've, I've travelled a fair bit around the world and football's always a sport you can talk to uh, with anyone, anywhere. Um, but ultimately, you know, it could be in, um, you know, we're in Africa for the World Cup and bump into an English guy and he breaks for Leeds. Why does he break for Leeds? Because that's where his father was from or that's where he was born. And, and that tribalism around and being passionate about your area, um, you know, that's what the journey we're on. And it's a long game because um, I feel, you know, I reckon the last time tribalism existed was when Victory was the only team um, in Victoria and it was against Adelaide, the one that grand final 6-0 and he followed football, which we all do. Uh, we probably all supported victory because it felt like Victoria versus South Australia and we're all mm. uh, Victorian. So I felt like that's been lost a little bit. So the narrative that um, the APL is um, going to be pushing and we're definitely pushing is uh, cities move to Casey. Uh, they're in the southeast. Uh, we're the northwest. And, you know, there's a, a facility getting built um, at Latrobe, which the natural fit would be for victory to be, um, you know, in the northeast. So And then cut up Victoria, like, you know, I suppose the VFL, AFL used to be, where you had zones, mm. and that's where tribalism comes from. So if you think of, you know, my family are North Melbourne supporters, but why? Um, you know, when my grandfather immigrated um, and our family moved, they, they first lived in North Melbourne, and that was that, you know, they couldn't speak the language, but sport was what um, connected them to Australia, and it was, we live in North Melbourne, so we're passionate about North Melbourne, and 
you know, two, three generations on, uh, we're all North Melbourne supporters. So that vision around, um, you know, Western United, um, you know, and I, I bump into so many people who, um, you know, they're from the West and they're like, oh, you know, we're victory supporters, but you guys are doing good things and we want to come across. Um, yeah, I don't expect them to come across. I'd like them to. Um, but ultimately it's that, that longer-term game because any kid born in the green and black, you know, we want them to to know that's your region. It's our region. That's why you're behind Western United and um, that passion that comes with A, football, but B, from um, the geography linked to where your football club is, that's that's the longer-term game that we're, we, we're living I just want to take note of uh, Lockie saying something positive about Hibs. I, I know it's, it's I'm a Hearts fan. It's, so it's, it's very rare that I <laughs> very rare that I do that. Yeah, it's it's weird that I didn't go straight to Tynecastle. But anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> uh, the other the other thing, you know, you've spoken, Jason, about all the different um, you know levers and actions that go into something like it's it's not a simple process by any stretch of the imagination, which I think everyone knows. But even then, you don't really get uh, the specifics and the quite the level of depth that it goes to here and they're really scratching the surface. But it must help when you're trying to get things done, to lobby people, to make decisions, to have a, a team that is making such great headlines on the pitch this season. It, it can't hurt when you're trying to do those sorts of things, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even um, I'm so even last night, I'm so proud of the guys. Like the way we actually played really well and mm. it's 1-0 at half time. But if we play like that again, um, you know, and, and we're going into, you know, victory's home ground, uh, their home leg, but, um, and I used the analogy the other day. It's going to be like 300 Spartans against you know all the all the Persians. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why we need all the green and the green and black supporters there. But um, ultimately, yeah, it, it's sort of um, you know it's a journey on and off the field. So going back to the property side, like c- getting land ready, like we're talking geo testing, indigenous overlay reports, flood and flora and fauna, flooding. Like we've had that many consultants to get the site ready. Mm-hmm. And as a team, um, when I refer to Western Melbourne Group, Western United, there's a team on the property side that are full steam ahead. There's, you know, even you guys uh, know about the events we've had this week. We've had five events uh, just for, you know, our, our, our final season's um, function and then the women's announcement. And then, um, you know, we, 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 our team's off the field and then there's on the field. And on the field, um, they're, they're doing us proud and they're, they're playing in a manner that, you know, nothing's coming easy. We're fighting for it. We're structured. Um, and that tenacity and resolve, I'm, I'm hoping, still gets us through um, after Saturday night. Well, we do have a lovely little slideshow of photos here. So I thought I'd give you the opportunity, Jason, to give us the latest updates on, on the uh, on the training precinct and how the construction's actually going because everyone likes, likes to see some soil getting moved and some, uh, some bulldozers <laughs> actually in action. Let's do it. So th- these were only taken um, last week. So they're, they're, you know, and we're, we're full steam ahead on the training precinct. So we had to, um, uh, for those who know the area, extend Leaks Road and then uh, the roads into the site so that, um, you know, with council, we can get the, the training fields um, and the, the uh, commercial land around it um, going. So I'll get you to show the slides now, but we've um, it's just beautiful and you can actually see the turf and see the pitch. So they actually, um, and it's a big process to get, um, you know, the quality pitches that we want in the elite training facilities at a standard that will be A-League standard. Um, so, and it's a long journey to, to get the grass to where we need to. So if you want to play that, are you playing the visuals now or I just can't? Yeah, they're rolling, they're rolling. Oh, they're rolling, are they? I can't see them. So um. Yeah, so again, it's a. I'm not sure which ones you're looking at, but you, like, but yeah, the works and and the the actual outlines of where the training pitches will be and where the, um, you know, the club facilities will be, um, is full steam ahead. So, I think um, I think the public can still drive down there and have a look as well. But um, you're going to see yeah, a lot of um, you know, starting with the training fields and um, you know, that's on track and where that's fast track. So we're hoping hopeful um, that in, you know, in 12 to 15 months that. You know, that elite training facility is ready. And in the background, you'll be able to see the main stadium um, getting built. But as an alternative, um, you know, as an option, sorry, is, um, you know, we're still looking for a place to play and call home. Uh, and the quicker we could have our own home, the, the better for us. So that 5,000-seat stadium, um, I'd love to just play in that little boutique um, stadium and, to, and pack it out and um, have 8,000 people trying to get into it uh, whilst our main stadium is getting built in the background. So this will be... The plan is this will be the temporary home of the team while the main stadium's getting built. That's that's big. Yeah, that's what we're working towards. So, because um, ultimately, um, you know, and you guys, you know, guys are football people. Like you, to have passion, um, you need to be close to the action. You need a rectangular stadium, um, and the, the the fans are everything. So, I'd rather, and no disrespect to where we played, but you know, instead of a forty thousand AFL oval uh, stadium that's got five thousand people in it, I'd rather pack out a a 5,000 rectangular stadium that's ours, um, that's in the West, um, and not have to move 
um, to all these different venues that we move to. So, yeah, that, that's that's the aim. So we're we're um, you know fast tracking that and hopeful to have it, if not by the end of next season, definitely the season after. Oh, and the other great element about all of this that we saw come out of the the finals luncheon last week is that when the precinct is finished and we do get the chance to sort of play the home games there, it's not just going to be the senior men's, it's not just going to be the academy side, it's going to be the A-League women's team as well taking the field. That uh, must be such a, for everyone involved in the club, such a, a fantastic thing to um to get over the line. We know it's been in, in the works for for a while, but to have it signed, sealed, delivered and out there in the public, uh, yeah, you must be you must be wrapped. Uh, we're wrapped, relieved, because um, Chris and I um, and Amanda, but mainly Chris and I, have just been pushing the APL. And I think, Danny, I don't know if you're at the function, but Danny Townsend was like, you know, Jason Chris been busting our balls and ringing us every week. And we were. <laughs> um, he wasn't joking. So it was sort of, um, and it was just getting the, the official stamp of approval. Like we knew it was coming. Um, and we're just wrapped because it's part of our strategy. Like, um, you know, we're fortunate. I've got another business that, that manages a lot of athletes. Um, and the women's game is just globally growing and the standard is growing so quickly. And, you know, we, need, we want to be part of that. And, um, you know, and, you know the, the partnership with Calder, you know, arguably one of the best elite pathways, um, you know, from under eight girls all the way through. Um, they've won, you know, every title, uh, a lot of titles in the last few years. But ultimately, that, that, you know, the partnership with them, we've, been, we've had that for two years. So we've been investing in mm. uh, the women's game and the community, um, you know, from the day of our inception because ultimately... Uh, that's our path. And, and again, having, you know, the 300, 400 um, girls um, quarter, that, that's another supporter base. That's another uh, Western United fan, that whole family. Um, you know, that's how we're going to grow, especially when you're a new franchise and a new franchise that was born on the eve of, of a pandemic. Um, that Yeah, we've had challenges and hurdles that, but, you know, we're just sticking to our path and we know what our path is. And it's uh, boys, girls um, aspiring to, you know, play for our club and support our club and, um, you know, give them a, an elite pathway, a true elite pathway um, that makes them better and, and hopefully have some, has them playing for us one day, whether that's men's or, or, or ladies. And the timing really couldn't be better for the women's team to be introduced next season because it's the lead into a Women's World Cup, a home World Cup. Yeah, yeah. It frustrates me that you wouldn't even know it's on in, in Victoria. So it's, mm. it, it actually yeah, really shits me. But um, uh, yeah, we've got a Women's World Cup, third or fourth largest event in the world. Um, and we'll have a W League team, and um, you know, and we're not just putting a W League team up for the sake of it. We actually want to, um, we actually want to win the thing. So there's, there's a club champion championship um, in Australia, which actually aggregates points for men's and women's. And, and um, yeah, by virtue of us being second or third this season, we're actually doing pretty well without the women's team. So um, <laughs> we want to go pretty hard on the women's team next year, and, and and just as a club, just continue the success that we've had. And the other thing about that partnership with Calder is it, it's not just a, a sort of method through which you can tap into a new set of fans but it's also a a pathway for for juniors right up into that senior side it, it feels like with the introduction of Western into the A-League women's with that top to bottom pathway the commencement of the training precinct the strength of the the men's team it feels like that long-term vision is really starting to to, to fall into place for the club. Yeah, it is. It is, and um, I've got two young girls as well, and they um, they love the sport, and that's the reality of it. So, um, and I'll, going back to my list, like we we manage uh, that many athletes, and uh, fortunate to have a couple of Matildas on our books. Um, you know, Steph Catley, who who we manage at Hemisphere, that is part of the Matildas, um, in endorsement deals, and and um, her brand gets more than some of the AFL captains that we manage. So, like uh, globally, um, football, uh, women's football particularly, is is going through it a growth trajectory that, um, you know, we need to be part of and we want to be part of. So hopefully my girls are playing for the, um, the Matildas one day and hopefully my girls are, you know, I get to travel to watch them all over the world because they're going to they're gonna make it. No pressure on them, obviously. But, yeah, we're only four and two, mind you, so just teaching them to kick the ball both feet at the moment. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's the, the counter-argument to all of the, the old nonsense that women's football isn't financially viable and we can't invest in it and make it as good as the men's side of things because it doesn't bring in as much revenue. That's just flat out not true anymore, is it? I, I think it's actually the next five to ten years, that's where you're going to see the growth. Um, and you're seeing it with Sam Kerr, who, yeah, one of the best players in the world. Um, yeah, she's earning more than um, most AFL players. So from an earning perspective, uh, it's just that in this country, unfortunately, that football doesn't get, um, you know, the coverage that, that it should, especially in this state, unfortunately. Um, but ultimately, that it's a global game. So the ambitions to 
to um, you know be elite in Australia, and we need to drive that as as owners of the leagues and owners of the teams. But you want um, boys and girls. I want I want them all to have that vision to to be the best in the world and to play a sport that can take them around the world and um, and get paid well for it. And, and ultimately, if you think of the you know the TV viewership of the Women's World Cup um, last year, and I can't wait for this year because it's only going to improve because the standards improving and uh, more of the world's aware of the women's game now. Um, yeah, that, that more eyeballs equals more revenue, which equals more, um, and rightfully so, more wages for women that, um, you know, will continue to grow. And Australia's got some of the best players in the world. Well, so, um, yeah. Well, Jason, to, to hear all of this stuff, is it, it's invigorating at every level of the club, every different facet is, is really exciting. Well, one final one for you before we let you go. We know there's so many different elements working in, but... What's the single thing, if you had to pick, that excites you the most for Western United over over the next few years? As a group or on the field? What are you thinking? Are you thinking uh, football or you thinking just as a broader group? Let's go a, a, as a group. As a group. Uh, as a group. I just can't wait to be in our in, in a home, in our in our home in the West because, like, you know what? We, um, we've got clicked over 9,000 members. We've got some such loyal um, fans already. And we our, our big part of our strategy is the community and being in the community. And for the first two and a half years, we couldn't be in the community. Um, so, you know, going into every school in the Northwest, going to football clubs and actually working with them instead of just trying to, you know, take the best players and, and develop them, actually work with them so it goes both ways and get them behind our club and actually have a, a, a true region that is ours and actually invest back into that um, region and actually have, um, you know, the, the longer-term game of having, you know, those um, kids and parents and families actually coming across to support the Green and Black, which has been difficult um, because we're moving around so much, being difficult because we couldn't be in the community. And, you know, all that's changing now. Like, you know, in 12 months, you know, 15 months, worst case. So it's not se- the next season will be the season after, albeit starting with the 5,000-seat stadium until um, our main stadium's ready. We'll be in our own our own home, um, our own facility. We'll pack it out. We'll make noise. Um, so, so that's what excites me the most. So I think we're playing... Um, you know, we've been finals, what, two of our three seasons. Mm. Um, and ultimately, we're a new chat. We're, we're writing our own um, journey. We're writing our own, um, you know, I suppose, path. And, and the the reality is we want to be a successful club. And, you know, two out of three seasons to make finals uh, with all the, um, I suppose, hurdles that we've gone through. When you actually achieve something, when there's so many haters and there's so many people thinking you won't actually achieve it, it just makes it sweeter. So I, I actually... Um, just can't wait to, for our club to continue to grow, but actually do it um, in a region that's going to be the heartland and the town centre of Wyndham, um, the heartland of the West, and and keep growing our, our supporter base, our our teams, um, our franchises, and and actually make the the northwest of Victoria the green and black territory. It reminds me of that uh, that famous Ange Postacoglu line that's doing the rounds that his favourite bit is uh, is when everybody's doubting him. And uh, that's the phase that Western United have been in, but slowly by slowly, slowly but surely, I should say, mm. proving those doubters wrong. Jason, the bar has been set for uh, for CP, I have to say. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Uh, best of luck on the weekend, uh, but more importantly, best of luck with carrying out this long-term vision for the club. Thanks a lot, guys, and thanks for the support, and um, love your show. Thanks, Jason. We're going to go to a hey, short guys. break. We've got Nikolai Topo Stanley joining us on the other side. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game. Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. We're back here on the green room for Simmons Holmes, the great Australian builder, and we're joined by another exciting guest, the defensive general that he has been all season for the Western United Football Club, Nikolai Topol Stanley. Unfortunately, not able to take the field at the moment here, but he had a great seat to the action in the first leg of the semi final against Melbourne Victory, and he joins. Josh and I now, Nikolai Topol Stanley, welcome back to the green room. First, first things first, how are you feeling, mate? How are you feeling? How's the body? Um, look, I'm feeling okay. Um, yeah, clearly disappointed that you know I've uh, I've injured myself at a key time in the season. But you know, this is uh, I guess the life I've chosen, and 
I've had a fairly good run to say the least. So, um, you know, I guess it's caught up with me. Just the, uh, yeah, I guess the, the chance of injury has caught up with me. Well, it's a very philosophical uh, way to look at things, mate. Um, I think that's the way you sort of manage your career, never too high, never too low, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean I've tried to keep it that way as best you can. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I accepted the fact that me playing again this season is going to be a, going to be a long shot, but I'm still giving myself a bit of opportunity and doing everything I can to hopefully get up for a grand final. But, you know, I, I'm in, under no illusions. It's going to be a, a very difficult ask. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the boys had that 1-0 result against victory on Tuesday night in your absence. But just despite that, you know, it was a, a worldy pretty much from Jake Brimmer that was the only way that victory were able to find the breakthrough in the game. Despite you not being involved as a part of that back four, you, you must have been pretty pleased with, with how the defensive unit went in, in your absence. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was actually a really great performance. Um from the boys, and you're right. It took a, it took a, you know, a world class goal. You put that goal in any league in the world, and it's, you know, a cracker um, to separate us. You know, it was it was fairly even, and I think, you know, especially in the first half, we we you know, we stifled them, and they, um, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't really capitalize on, on I guess that that dominance um, with a goal. Which, uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end, that was the difference between between and us us losing, um, which is unfortunate. But you know, we've got another opportunity on Saturday, and um, you know, we 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 know that we've got it in us to, to beat them. Yeah, and you had a pretty uh, strong penalty shout as well. I won't won't ask you to comment which way or the other, but we certainly heard what your what your head coach thought of that decision. Uh, what do you think of these two legged ties? You know, playing against Melbourne Victory, we know it's a big rivalry there. Um, I, I personally, I, I love the the drama of of these two matches and and getting the the pressure games, the most exciting games of the season, just getting more of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it as a negative, right? It's more football. It's uh, it, it creates more story and creates more drama. Um, and over two legs, and yeah, I mean, it would. Uh, yeah, there's no. There's no real negative in my eyes. So, you know, look forward to to Saturday and I guess there'll be a fair pressure build up on on, um, on victory. You know, they've got everything to lose now and, um, you know, we've got everything to gain. Do you think that suits the, I guess, the mentality of this Western United squad to, to be the underdog, to, to play spoiler, so to speak? Um, I guess so. I mean, no one gave us a chance, you know, before the season started. You know, uh, even... I can uh, I remember talking to someone who shall remain nameless, but he's a, a prominent player in the A-League, possibly in Melbourne. And, um, you know, when I told him that I had signed for Western United, he was like, oh, you know, that's no competition. And I said, all right, well, we'll see come the end of the season and, you know, we'll see if I can jam those words down your throat. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'm... I'm hoping that I can still do that and all uh, be in the grand final. And you know what my favourite part about you bringing that up is, Nicola, because all three Victorian clubs have been so strong this season, we, we can't narrow it, we can't even narrow it down to a, a single club with a list of 22. We, we are I'm none, rattling through the names We are my none head. the wiser. So <laughs> you've done an excellent, excellent job there to... Protect your source. To, to keep that one under wraps. <laughs> keep that one under wraps. So very much appreciated. But yeah, look, it's... It's an interesting one. As you, as you said, not a lot of people have necessarily or necessarily gave Western uh, a chance or a look in at this kind of thing uh, at the start of the season. But but here you are, you know, uh, one game to sort of turn it around and book your spot in the grand final. We've seen some awesome celebrations after big results this season in the change rooms, you know, big um, singing of, uh, of the song and all that sort of stuff, some great social media videos, not least uh, the, the win over you know, results over City and things like that. What kind of level would, would those celebrations rise to if, if the boys were able to, to turn around the aggregate result this Saturday? Uh, it'll be fairly noisy. Um, <laughs> I'm sure numerous drink bottles thrown around the place with lids half on. Um, 
yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, the culture that I guess I've walked into and, um, you know, I'm trying to maintain is, is that of camaraderie of celebrating every success because, you know, I've been in teams where that doesn't come every week, you know, and, um, you have to appreciate it when it comes because the nature of sport, it's, it's physical, cyclical, you know, um, mm. You can you can see that with the best teams in the world in Barcelona, Man United for a you know great example that you know they had their time at world dominance and now not so much. So you, regardless of resources, regardless of personnel, you know, you you really have to you know celebrate the wins um, and you know you have to hold them dear because yeah that's that's what we play for. We play to to win the game and um, you know hopefully entertain a few people along the way. Absolutely. I mean, did you have any, uh, or do you have any words of wisdom for for some of your less experienced teammates about managing the the pressure of playing in these sorts of games? Um, look, it doesn't come from me. This is this is definitely a message that you know has filtered down from the coaching staff, and it hasn't started just now. It's been all season that you know we we prepare ourselves to the nth degree in everything that we do um and that starts from day one in training and that will reflect you know over time in performances so it's nothing um it's not like now we have to suddenly play a different way or find something extra so to speak you know we've we've been trying you know to perform at 100 percent every game we play and that starts in training you know that it doesn't just ha- magically happen on the weekend so um yeah every every pre pre-game talk and rev up is you know there's a few you know slaps in the back and you know one of those things but it's all about staying calm in the moment and you know letting our preparation translate into performances on the field so yeah that's 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 the only thing that we've uh, reiterated all season it's not just me and and all of that preparation you know on and off the pitch throughout the year it, it doesn't just contribute or, or lead towards the team performances it also makes a big difference in those sort of individual moments that can decide a game and and to that end you know to, to go one game back to the the final against Wellington uh you must have been like in disbelief at, at some of the saves in particular that one save that that Jamie Young was able to to pull off that's that's got the team or helped to get the team into the semi-final i think i think john aloisi described it as a banksian save at the full-time whistle would you be willing to uh to go down a similar route oh absolutely but you know it's it's nothing that i haven't seen him do all season you know he's pulled he's pulled off incredible saves all year and he does them in training all the time so i'm not i'm not surprised at all because he's you know he's uh not only is he an experienced pro, but he's he's a very hard trainer. He turns up every day, um, not just putting through putting himself to the paces. You know, pushing himself to get better and better every week. So, you know, I mean, I must admit, I thought that <laughs> I thought he was no chance when I because I was right <laughs> behind the ball, the header, and it was a bullet header too. Mm. Um, but somehow he's just plucked it out. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's almost come the norm with Youngy, right? He's every couple of games he's pulling off worldies. So, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased for the team um, that, you know, he's in our goal and we're not trying to put one past him. Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let him do his stuff on, on, uh, on Saturday. Well, speaking of uh, big saves, Saturday does bring with it the possibility of a penalty shootout and all the more likely given the away goals rule has now been abolished. So has, uh, penalties been mentioned or even practiced in training? Is that something that you think about or is it just something that if it happens on the day, everyone just steps up because you just can't be, you can't replicate the pressure? Oh, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be brought up um, well beforehand, you know. Um, yeah, our coaching staff don't, don't like to, you know, leave things for the day and, you know, everything will be thought of from, you know, the, the most minute detail. Um and you've it got a certain been... uh, member of the coaching staff who did take a pretty high-profile penalty kick once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, we're actually talking about that. Um, 
I think, yeah, on on Tuesday night in the uh, in the change room that you know apparently he's had over a hundred thousand people tell him that he's been at the game or at the game. <laughs> there were only fifty thousand people actually at the game. So um, yeah, um, yeah, they'll definitely um, yeah have everything thought of and um, they've put the boys to their paces with that. Well, we know you're a, a pretty cool, calm and sort of collected character when you're on the pitch. But if it, if it did come to a penalty spot kick kind of situation and you're sitting there on on the sidelines watching on, how, how are you going to be watching that? Are you going to be, your, you know, your usual, uh, you know, sort of relaxed, uh, stoic self or is it going to be sort of watching through one eye, you know, shirt over the head? Uh, are you going to be like sort of, Taking the penalties as you're seeing them come through, just like that connected to it. What's what's some the people have superstitions like? yeah. where they have to face away while their insides taking penalties and things <laughs> like that. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not a great spectator of my own team. Um, <laughs> I found that out you know, the hard way. My my heart my heart rate was definitely very very high, um, and I could feel my own pulse through my through my neck. <laughs> against the Wellington game in that last kind of five ten minutes, where you know they they were putting us under the pump there. So look, I'm not sure what I'll be like, but you know, um, I'm, I'm I'll be pretty nervous. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking to Steve Lustiger uh, on Tuesday about it. That you know, when when you're involved in the game, you know, you have your process and it's familiar. Um, you know, you 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 have your, I guess, yeah, your process of dealing with that high pressure moment, and it's. Um, it's something that comes a bit more natural to me than watching a game that mm. I want to be involved in, but I can't do anything about it, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I'm sure I'll, uh, I'm sure the heart rate will get up and, uh, you know, I may, may sweat a few boards there. I, I'm getting jittery just think, just talking yeah. about it, to be honest. I mean, that's a great point. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's an answer, Nikolai, that I don't think a lot of people would have expected that. Maybe we've got to get, uh, you know, um, recruit someone from the Western United media team to just train a camera on you from a, from a very long distance, a lo- long zoom lens. To just Kiefer, get the uh, get the uh, the NTS cam happening. The watch along. Oh, yeah, that would be exciting. I think that would be torture for him. Well, but, we'll, uh, we'll great entertainment look, for us. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. In the meantime, uh, please, you know, we've got to get. Please don't, because I, I might <laughs> let out a few expletives. Well, this is this is the thing. If it's a very long lens, it's just the vision. There's no audio. You'll never know. You'll I don't, never I don't know. think you'll need to be a lip reader. Don't that. don't don't stress, Nikolai. Uh, you, you can save the save the stressing for for game day and when the actual result happens. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen on Saturday, but we know you'll be there with your high heart rate, watching on, and we wish you all the best uh, in your recovery from injury. Because hopefully, at the full time of that game and into the the game that goes after it, we're seeing a uh, number forty four for green and black on the team sheet. But until that point, uh, Nikolai, as always, thank you very much for your time. And like we said, all the best in the uh, injury recovery. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, we're going to take another quick break. On the other side, we've got Chris Pelivanis to join us. So still more to come here on a very big episode of The Green Room. Don't you dare go anywhere. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Marissa! He's done it again! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. The big hitters keep rolling through here on the Green Room. Powered by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. From one great figure of this club in stature to another great figure... The CEO, Chris Pelavanis, joining us now, who, I might add, was uh, accused at the start of this show by our chairman, Jason Sarasis, of hogging the, uh, you know, the official board kind of media time on this program. <laughs> uh, Chris Pelavanis, a, a warm welcome to you. How do you respond to those those allegations oh, well, from Jason? He said I was hogging it. We're at 7.48. I was told I was coming on at 7.25, so I'm not <laughs> sure who was hogging it. 
maybe anyway, maybe his argument was that he was making <laughs> maybe his argument would be that he was making the most of of his, his one appearance so far <laughs> on the show. That would be maybe his argument, not mine. No, he's, a hard, he's a hard man to catch. He's a hard man to catch. He's a very busy man. I think we we heard him uh, earlier today, and everything he's working on is is uh, quite busy. But um, let's get him on at least two three times next season. We'll hold him to that. Absolutely. Now, I think what requires some explanation, if you're watching on the live stream, um, just for the benefit of the podcast listeners, Chris has got some green and black balloons behind him. What's going on here? Uh, that's from the function last night, and the little my little son decided that that would be a great backdrop. So I wasn't going to go against his will, so I'll, I'll let him run the show. <laughs> Good as So um, we appreciate the set decoration. Uh, we love that. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know your thoughts on on the game. Uh, obviously, a big second leg coming up, uh, but also the the function you put on that uh, that night, which was uh, by all reports very well received. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with the game first up. I think the boys put an exceptional shift in. Um, it was challenging, you know. We had to back up after you know two and a half days. Um, the boys in my opinion, deserve more out of the game. I think we were unlucky on a penalty shout. I think I think the football world's spoken. I think everyone's seen that. There's no need for me to add any more to that. But, you know, it's just frustrating from a club point of view when you see penalties given against us in Ballarat for Ben Garucho doing something similar. And this is, in my opinion, a lot worse and nothing's been done. But, look, that's football. These things happen. Big clubs, small clubs, you know, the flavours usually go with the big clubs and, and we saw that again. But you know what? Our boys are resilient. Um, we've been 2-0 down to Melbourne Victory before in the past. This time we're only 1-0 down and it's half time. So bring on Saturday. Um, and this club, this group has a special resilience, a special yeah. togetherness, a special bond that we have a never-say-die attitude. And I know we're going to rock up on Saturday and put on a show and we've got this. I mean, it's, it's a great point that you make, Chris. I mean, uh, admittedly, most of these have been in a single 90 minutes, but we have seen over over the stretch games between Western United and Melbourne Victory. We've seen the Western, you know, come back from behind and, and pull off some incredible results a few times before, have we not? Yeah, it's in our DNA. It's, it's something that... Um, our club fights hard for, you know, we never give up. Um, that's because we're from the West. Um, we have a strong culture, a strong bond. And, you know, I, saw, I see it in the players' eyes. I see it in the coaches' eyes. There's a, there's a real resilience. And even all the staff have worked tirelessly over the last couple of weeks to get to this, to get to this station, let alone all season. And I know that on Saturday, we'll see the best version of Western United. Well, speaking of that resilience as well, the other thing that's been a factor for the club throughout this final series is, you know, a few injuries here and there and some pretty prominent absentees, not least, you know, the man who we just had on before you in the form of Nikolai Topo Stanley. But to that end, you you must be really pleased with how some of these sort of fresher players who have maybe played less minutes or are returning from injury themselves, like Josh Risden, for example, have come into this side as they did last night against victory and, and done such an impressive job. I mean, Josh in particular, I thought was, was outstanding across his um, 90 minutes last night. Yeah. I think we have a squad for a reason. And the reason we have a squad is to call on those guys um, when needed. It's extremely disappointing that we have some injuries at this time of the season, because those boys deserve to be playing finals football. You know, we didn't get anything given to us. We, we achieved everything through hard work, through determination and through working to, to process and structure all season. And, you know, some things you can't control are injuries and unfortunately they've come for us at the wrong time of the season. But that gives people opportunity. That gives, you know, the next, the future stars or other players opportunities to make a name for themselves at the pointy end of the season. And, you know, it's going to happen. Um, for Western United, I'm sure. We were speaking to, to Nikolai before, and I, I raised the point that this, this side tends to thrive backs against the wall when they are doubted, when they are underdogs, when they are in a tight spot. 
it seems to be when you see the best of this team and, you know, one nil down to victory going into a second leg in front of a hostile atmosphere, that's that's the time that this group seems to thrive. Yeah, definitely because, you know, we're a club on a journey and I think Jason touched on it before. We're going to, you know, this is all a journey for us to get to having our own hostile environment in a couple of years. At the moment, we've achieved things that no one else in this competition thought we would achieve. And that's, you know, we travel to play in games in more stadiums than anyone in the A-League history. Um, and that creates a big, um, you know, it creates a big foundation and a big willpower to go to, you know, when you're challenged to go harder. And I think um, ultimately this holds us in good stead for Saturday night. And I know that's not going to phase our players. Actually, it's going to drive them and it's going to give them extra motivation to perform on Saturday night and you know get the result we need and hopefully achieve our first ever grand final. Yeah, well, that, that variety of, of stadiums really does make a, a big impact over the course of the, the regular season with the travel and, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, right before the end of the season, you guys were, of course, in Tasmania. But to have had the sort of last two games and the one upcoming and potentially even the game after that too – to be at Amy Park, uh, you know, a rectangular ground where we know your, your fans turn out and, and make a good noise. That must give a real uh, boost to, to the playing side as well. Definitely does. But again, they deserve it. You know, they <laughs> finished third on the leader. You know, no one gave us opportunity. If you don't finish in the top couple of spots, you don't get the ability to play. And, you know, credit to the other Victorian teams too. They've also had good seasons and that's why... You know, all the majority of finals are going to be in Victoria. Um, I think all but one or two finals will be in Victoria, um, which shows um, football in this state's in, in a really good spot at the moment. Does that help build the, the rivalry between the two clubs uh, when you're playing these these big fixtures against each other and you're all competing for top honours? I think it does. You know, I think over history of all codes and all sports, there is moments where rivalries are born you know it doesn't just happen and Saturday night might be that catalyst it might be the moment we come back and have one of the greatest victories in our club's history that sets us up and creates that rivalry that no one will forget and everyone will remember the moment I was there when when Western United went into the grand final so you know that's why I'm encouraging all our fans to be there on Saturday night we want them all to sit in base 14 and 15. You know, we're going to be smaller. We know that. And we don't have to apologise about that because that's who we are. We're a club that's in its third year. Victory, a club that's been there from the start and had first mover advantage. Of course, they're going to be louder. Of course, they're going to be bigger. But what we're going to be is united and we're going to all be together. And I think it's going to be a real powerful message to make sure all our fans are there filling base 14 and 15. I know it might not be the most premium viewing area, but that's where we want all our fans to sit. And that's aisles 14 and 15 to ensure we're all together. Because that way, visually and, um, you know, and not only visually, but it'll be symbolic for all our players to run out and see Mm. all our fans together. And I think that's something that we're working hard off the field. And for all our fans and members that are listening, please spread the word to all our Western United family, friends and members to make sure that, that when you're buying your tickets, um, that they're in aisles 14 and 15. And that's where you want to be as a supporter. That's where you're going to have the best time because you're going to be in with the green and black. And that's that's where the atmosphere is generated, right? And, and you talk about those moments where rivalry is born and, and the touch points we come back to in the victory rivalry. Uh, you know, the 2-0 down at, at Marvel Stadium and coming back to win a 3-2 in the first first game. Uh, the the comeback win against Victor again um, at Marvel, I think it was 4-3, Victor Sanchez and uh, Rude's running all the way down the touchline and jumping oh. on top of the pile of players. And, you know, this would surpass everything uh, if if the boys were able to, to turn this around and create another, another memorable moment, wouldn't it? Of course it would because what's at stake? This is our first ever spot in the grand final, you know, in our third only season. I think people forget that. You know, and we're trying to create some our next chapter, and that would be the next chapter in our history. Um, but, you know, even if it's not, you know, even if we don't get the result, you know, what a season it's been. So many firsts, you know, we finished our highest ever uh, position on the table. We accumulated the most ever points. We had our biggest ever win, 6-0 against Perth. 
we gave debuts to two young players. Um, you know, we had our youngest ever scorer this season. You know, we had our longest ever unbeaten run. Like the, the records keep reeling off. And I think sometimes when you're in the moment, you forget about all these things. But ultimately, you know, I could not be more proud of the work that everyone at the club's done. Um, you know, and, and, you know, even our new coach came into a squad, into a club, you know, that was arguably at its lowest point. Um, we brought in, I think, 11 new players. And, and the results have been absolutely amazing both on and off the field so as CEO I could not be more proud and yeah I'm excited I'm pumped because I want all our fans there on Saturday and I can't wait because this is why we do what we do and this is you know it's a journey we're on and I want everyone there and I really am imploring you know all our fans to get out there and you know even all the neutral fans jump on Western United you know be part you know don't be neutral jump on the underdog get there support us and and let's let's have a go, and let's do something special. I mean, Look, I've got a little uh, I've got a little guest that wants to say a few words as well. He wants to pump everyone up as well. Hey, what are you going to say, Thomas? Where do you want all the fans to sit tonight this week? Behind the goals. And with who? The Western Service Crew. Yeah, that's the best place Very to be. Good. That is the best place to be. I mean. Even if you are a neutral fan, as you said, Chris, to, to be against, to, to barrack against Melbourne victory is, is a more than good enough reason to be involved. But yeah, if you are going to be there as a Western United fan, make sure it is in Bays 14 and 15. A final one for you, Chris, before we let you go, because one of the, you keep talking about how this result could help to build this rivalry between victory. One of the best ways I reckon you could do that would be to pip them in a penalty shootout. And we asked uh, what kind of viewer. Nikolai Topol Stanley would be of that sort of thing, and apparently a lot more nervous than we thought. What would you be like, uh, you know, emotionally if if it does get down to to that sort of moment on on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I'll be a nervous wreck as well. I can't lie. <laughs> I'd love to say that I'd be calm, cool, and collected, but I'll be a nervous wreck because I know what's at stake, and and I and I know, you know, for our players and our staff and our members and fans, what's at stake. And that's why you're a nervous wreck, yeah, because you care about all those people and and you want the best for them. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot at stake and we love what we do. We love being part of this club and the passion's there. So if you're not nervous and you're not, you know, and you're not enjoying it, um, you're probably in the wrong job. And, and that's why I love what I do and I'm privileged. And I always say to people, I'm the luckiest person because I work for a great club and I love what I do and, and it's easy to do what I do, um, but it is challenging. And um, But what we're going to achieve on Saturday night, hopefully, is going to be something special. And I can't wait to get out there. I do have one more thing to say just before we um, wrap up, guys. Last week, we announced our A-League women's team um, at our grand final, our first inaugural grand final lunch. Uh, sorry, our inaugural finals lunch. Um, that was one of my proudest moments mm. as CEO of of Western United, but not only that, there's one of my, our proudest moments as a club. And personally, um, I think one of my proudest moments in sport um, to give the young girls of the West an opportunity to represent their club in future years. You know, we talk about leaving legacies. We talk about creating the next chapter. That's something we've done. I know people haven't realized that yet and the powerful message that's going to be, but now, you know, we're truly a club before that we were just an A-League men's club. Um, now we're an A-League men's and women's club and we have give, we've got an opportunity to give both boys and girls um, an opportunity to represent Western United and dream big and why not represent their countries or, you know, go further than that and represent, over, you know, go play in the big leagues in Europe. So we can do that now. Um, I can't wait to the journey we're on with, with the girls coming forward uh, next season. But watch your space and, you know, We've been competitive in the A-League men's side and I promise you we'll be competitive in the A-League women's side as well. Well, I don't think we have any doubts about that whatsoever. If if there's one thing we've learned about Western United so far, it's ambition, right? So you want to make a splash in this competition, not there to make up the numbers. Yep, definitely. That's that's our motive. That's, I mean, you you heard it from the chairman. That's the motive we've got at the board. And you know what? Everyone at that club has that desire and we work hard. And I know my, you know, everyone at the club works hard. I know there's a lot of tired people there, but they all do it with a smile and they all work, um, come into work every day with the same ambition and the same desire to make this club 
one of the, the strongest club in Australia. Chris, we're going to get let you, Thomas, and, and your balloons go, but we're going to have to talk more about that in, in a future week, and maybe we'll have to get you and Jason on at the same time just to, to keep the peace so we don't have this uh, competitive rivalry boil over. <laughs> but, but Chris, thank you very no, you much as, as do, always. Guys? We're going to come into the studio together and we'll have a bit of a banter together because uh, you know, Jason is an amazing chairman <laughs> and um, you know he does a lot of work, but you got to listen to his passion and it'll be good to get him in studio as well. And we'll get in there together and um, we'll have a bit of fun. Well, that'd be great. I mean, Josh and I could almost have the night off, give you guys the, uh, the main microphones and <laughs> yeah, just, we'll just uh, run the con- grab, grab the popcorn and watch the show pretty much. That would be, uh, that would be excellent. Um, Chris, I know you, your eyes are fully focused on um, the, this weekend. So, so we'll let you uh, continue to, to stew over the game against Melbourne Victory this Saturday. Uh, you can get your tickets on Ticketek for the game against Victory and make sure if you are buying as a Western United fan, it is in Bays 14 and 15. We're going to head to a break here on the green room and we're going to go to one of those fans who may well, you may well find in Bays 14 and or 15 this weekend, uh, Ben Jorgensen to join us on the other side of the break here on the green room. So stick around. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Well, given the possibility for this exact thing happening on Saturday night, Josh, how fitting it is that the Green Room tonight, uh, powered by Simmons Homes, goes in to extra time. But it is with very good reason. We've had some big guests join us, Jason Sarasas, Chris Pelavanis, and Nikolai Topo-Stanley. If you've missed any of those chats, you'll be able to catch them up on the FNR podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcast at the end of the show. But we've got to turn all our attention to the game this weekend and the people who will be there. And one of those people is none other than Ben Jorgensen, super fan of Western United Football Club, who joins us now. Ben, before we even, I've got a, I know I said both eyes on the gra- game, but my eyes are currently distracted by the very nice Ryan Scott jersey I can see in the background there. How did you uh, get your hands on uh, such a nice collector's item? Um, so I took the club up on its um, option to travel to Adelaide and get, you know, a hundred bucks back, which really helped, um, you know, a lot of the supporters get over there. And, um, you know, not the result we were wanting over there, but um, after the game, the, the players came over and thanked us, the, us travelling fans. And, you know, uh, maybe after two seasons of pestering, it got um, got into Ryan's head a bit, <laughs> but I was able to <laughs> snag myself a jersey from him. Ah, Scotty. He's, uh, we, we don't play favourites here in the green room except Ryan Scott. Yeah, if there was one jersey I would have wanted. Yeah, Lockie's jealous. Scotty. That's why he brings yeah, it up. Yeah, that's the, that's the real reason. That's the real reason. No, but Ben's put in the legwork. He deserves it. How, was the, how was the Adelaide away trip? Off the pitch, I mean. Adelaide away was um, – it's always a really good trip. Um, I've got a, a lot of friends in Adelaide, so um, I always drag them along as well. Um but yeah, like it's like for any traveling fan, it's the best stadium to go to. You're right on top of um, top of the pitch. It's you know you're so close. There's you know a myriad of you know amazing pubs close to the ground. You know I, I love it. I've been all three years, and hopefully next season I'll be there again. I think I'm in all my years of following the uh, the A League men's, and there has been a lot. I think there's yet to come across one person who's complained about uh, the Adelaide away trip. But of course, you'll technically be the visiting side this weekend, coming up against the Melbourne Victory at Amy Park. But not really in name only. Let's be honest. Uh, obviously, currently one nil down across this in the aggregate scoreline. How much are you looking forward to uh, this game against Victory this Saturday? And, and how much are you, or how excited are you to, to put things right and, and, and hopefully uh, see the boys turn that back around? 
I'm it's it's getting to be a problem at this stage. I can't concentrate at work. Or I'm, <laughs> um, I'm seeing messages from people pinging around my phone and you know, you know asking about you know where we're meeting. But it's this game. You know, is it's you know the biggest in the club's history. Um, you know, the result. You know, there was some questionable refereeing you know, uh, last night, which just makes it all the more, you know, emotional for us of of that penalty that didn't get called early in the game. So there's there's that writing, there's um, you know, that opening run against victory, that five five games you went undefeated, the the three two at Marvel. My first game that I went to live was in Geelong against Victory, a three one win. So it's got a lot of emotion attached to it, this fixture and meeting on, you know, the biggest stage that this club's ever been on. It, it's going to be big. I mean, what's the, what's the plan pre-game? Where are the supporters going to be hanging out? What, what's the pub to hit up for, uh, for fans that are going to come along? So uh, the pub we'll be at is our usual stomping grounds pre-game, the Richmond Club Hotel um, from about two o'clock onwards. Um, we'll be there. Um, they've got a you know a great little uh, beer garden out the back that you know we always occupy most of the time. Um, you know the the food there's really good, um, and um, I believe that they were talking about. I think that there was some special deals going on, being a, a Saturday afternoon. So nice, very interesting. Very tempting, in fact. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> ben, you were talking about your, your phone. I mean, that's one of the bad things about the sort of uh, multi-leg nature of these semifinals is, you know, if it was one game and it was over and done, like you kind of just put it to one side, you could forget about it. But you've got all these days to kind of stew over what's going to happen. I mean, you, you were talking about, you know, your phone pinging. I'm seeing a lot of comments come through on the live stream as well. I'm wondering how many of those are... Uh, you know, phone buzz notifications are, are coming from the the kind of people we're we're seeing in the chat. You know, Bailey, Angus, Brooklyn, Dylan. There's Lockie as well. There's there's a lot of people who are very pleased to see you on this program. I'm sure a lot of them are, are going to be the kind of people you'll be uh, alongside on Saturday afternoon as well. Yeah. Um. Well, I did I did word a few people up and say <laughs> if you want to come see my face, then feel free. But no, like a lot of those names, they all all spring to mind and you know they're all you know amazing friends that I've made through the club um and just you know getting on their backs about bringing their friends as well um Mm. just so we can you know pack out that bay and make some noise um yeah I mean you you'll be alongside a, a bunch of those people and more I mean hopefully all the Western United fans that will possibly be able to attend this game We'll be alongside the the service crew in bays 14 and 15, the place to get your tickets if you mm. are ordering as a green and black fan. What would it mean to you as a group of fans at the full-time whistle to get this result turned around, you know, beat the arrivals, Melbourne victory? What what would it mean to have that full-time whistle go and uh, have Western United booking their spot in the grand final? It, it's hard to even begin to kind of understand there's always that talk online about us you know oh you know why were they brought into the comp you know all this other tripe and you know after a while you know I know a lot of us are just sick of hearing it and seeing it and to get a result like this would you know be a big thing to you know put you know all those city and victory fans who just (laughs) go on and on about you know, our club, you know, no stadium, no no fans. It's like, I'm, I'm overhearing it. So it'd be great to be able to turn around and go, you know, boo-hoo sucks to be you. <laughs> In some slightly, slightly stronger language. I hope that's exactly how you say it. <laughs> I mean... It's it's going to be a huge game. Uh, I don't know what your pulse is going to be like uh, during the 90 minutes, maybe even 120 minutes, dare we say it. Nikolai Topol Stanley said it's uh, he's more nervous watching than he is actually playing in the games. Uh, but it's going to be an absolutely electric atmosphere. We can't wait. Uh, Lockie, we're just about out of time here on the green room, but 
You just need to implore people to get your tickets. For Bays 14 and 15 yeah, is there, the place to be. There is literally no other place to I, be. Other than the stomping ground before the mm-hmm. game, but during the game, there is no other place to be. Yes. Uh, so uh, the name of that pub again for us, Ben? It's the Richmond Club Hotel, 100 Swan Street. There we go. That's uh, from 2 p.m. Get there before the game. Hang out with your uh, your like-minded fellow supporters. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck on the weekend. And uh, we hope we hear a, a big chorus of boo-hoo sucks to be you on the final whistle. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious yeah. me. And uh, we'll see which uh, which jersey you nab on, on full-time. Still very je- jealous about that, yeah. Ryan Scott kit. Ben, thank you so much. That's all good. It's my pleasure. Uh, we're going to sign off here on the on the green room. Uh, it's possibly, but we hope it's not our final show of the season. Yeah. Lucky. We, I hope, hope, I we hope, hope we've got so one too. more to come, uh, but uh, that's all from us tonight. Uh, if you missed any of the show, you can catch it on the FNR podcast platforms. But from myself, Josh, and Lockie, it is goodbye for now. A big thank you to Simmons Homes for uh, powering the program, yes. as you uh, so eloquently put it earlier, Lockie. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Barrios, his first touch of the game... And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio.